Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I am Lee Campbell-Taylor, the interim pastor here, and Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Another way to hear what Luke is saying might be, while the UN General Assembly was in New York City, and the World Bank was convening in Singapore when the G20 was meeting in Cape Town and the World Council of Churches was in Rome, the word of God came to a refugee woman in a leaking boat. That is the kind of power dynamic that Luke is establishing here. All the earthly powers are going about their worldly ways while the subversive word of God is showing up in ordinary people like John or us and in out-of-the-way places like the wilderness or a manger in Bethlehem. Luke is also reminding us that God's work occurs within human history and that our specific human lives are part of God's arc of history mission. To underscore this, Luke goes on to link this John, son of Zechariah, with the ancient prophecies of Israel. Listen. John went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make God's paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. It sounds great, right? Oh, brace yourselves, because prophets are never sent to comfort the comfortable. Not Old Testament Isaiah, not New Testament John, and not more recent Martin or Teresa or Desmond or Malala. Prophets are here to wake us up. And so our reading continues. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Then produce fruit worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as an ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham, even now. The axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked John, what then should we do? 
In reply, John said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? John said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? And John said to them, do not extort money from anyone by violent threats or false accusations. Be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their heart whether John might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with, with spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Thus, with many other exhortations, John proclaimed the good news to the people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. See what I mean about John not being easy? In fact, every December, <laughs> pastors pass around an internet meme that shows a picture of John the Baptist saying, Happy Advent, you brood of vipers! John is not easy, but this week he has been unexpectedly empowering. The first thing John wants us to do is repent. Now, repent is a word we don't use much, maybe in church, but certainly not in our daily vocabulary. So it's worth pausing to note that repentance is a layered process. Repentance is, quote, and this is a little long, but stay with me. Repentance is the change of mind of those who have begun to abhor their errors and misdeeds and have determined to enter upon a better course of life. Repentance encompasses recognition of sin, sorrow for sin, and hearty amendment of sin, the evidence of which is good deeds. That's how St. Augustine explains the repentance, as a matter of deep feeling and strong action. Repentance is not remotely, okay, okay, I said I'm sorry, can't we just forget it? No, repentance is profound. It is a U-turn, an about-face. It's the decision to turn away from how you have been living and instead move forward into the new life that God offers. Okay, but my inner viper is pushing back. My inner viper insists upon asking, okay, so what does that look like, actually? And Luke, bless him. Luke has John the Baptist tell us what it looks like. Through a trio of very specific encounters, we get three examples of what lives that produce the good fruit of repentance can look like. And so, church, this is where we begin to see God's willingness to work through individuals like us. We begin to see how our particular part to play fits in 
from our particular circumstances. So first, we meet the crowd. Convinced of their need to repent, the crowd asks John, what then should we do? And this prophet, this conduit for the word of God, John replies, you should share with those in need. If you've got more than one coat, give the extra to somebody who needs it more than you do. I flirted with the idea at this point of saying, raise your hand if you have more than one coat. But let's be real, we all have more than one coat. Never mind coats. Most of us have more than one cars or more than one diamond. Some of us have more than one house. We are overflowing with more than one. But rather than taking the easy shot of condemning us for such excess, John the Baptist instead points out the opportunity that such excess affords. We can give to those in need. It's doable. If you have more than you truly need, and we all do, then give a chunk of it away. And don't put it on eBay or take it to a consignment shop or even have a yard sale, all of which would benefit you. Just give to those in need. That is the simple, doable instruction which John, possessed by the Word of God, gives to the crowd and thus to us. Next come the tax collectors that subset of Roman minions who are so despised that they're essentially a punchline. Even tax collectors, Luke writes, even they seek this baptism of repentance, and even they ask John, what should we do? And John replies, don't exploit. Don't take more than is necessary. Like John's call to share our bounty of coats, those words are also aimed at us because we all exploit. In fact, of all the things that come to mind when I think of the need for a total U-turn that is repentance, the thing I think about most urgently is the climate crisis. Locally and globally, we have got to join John's tax collectors in repenting of our exploitation of this planet. We have got to do a U-turn, a repentant about face. And I know that some of you, in fact, some of me, some of us are thinking, too little, too late. How can an adjustment to my personal carbon footprint possibly make any difference? But listen to John the Baptist, to whom the word of God came. John doesn't tell the tax collectors that they have got to go and solve all of the economic challenges posed by Roman rule. <laughs> no, John makes it doable. He tells them and us, do what you can do to stop exploitation. Whatever you can do in your daily life, do that. And the same then goes for the soldiers, those strong-armed enforcers of all those fancy people that Luke listed off at the beginning. When the soldiers also ask about their course of action, John's response is again specific to their station and totally doable. 
As with the tax collectors, these soldiers are told to repent of their participation in an unrighteous system. And the vocabulary that John uses for them suggests how they carry the threat of physical violence. The modern analogy that I hear this pointing to is our other monumental need of repentance. Repentance of the systemic racism upon which our nation is built. Racism is woven into America's structures and into America's soul, and if we are not earnestly seeking God's forgiveness, vehemently turning away from this evil, and daily striving for corrective action in housing, education, law enforcement, voting rights, if we're not serious about that, then we're not serious about being faithful disciples of the Christ to whom John the Baptist points. That is the thrust of John the Baptist's not easy message. To prepare the way of the Lord is to recognize that sincere faith requires sincere action. And whatever our position or our possessions, there are immediate deeds for us to do, thanks be to God. And these deeds are doable. I mean, John doesn't tell the soldiers to dismantle the entire military-industrial complex. No, John tells them simply to repent and to change what they can. So what about us? What should we do? Like everyone in this story, we should repent and do whatever we can do, share what we have, refrain from exploitation, disavow violence, live with the integrity that results from that U-turn that lets us follow God. Now, we may not be tax collectors or soldiers, but we are all part of some power structure. So, in whatever systems you conduct yourself, conduct yourself with righteousness. If you can provide employees with a living wage, do that. If you can buy food that's grown without exploiting people or planet, do that. If you can vote evil out of office, do that. If you can nudge the church closer to its calling to be the body of Christ, do that. Let me stop to say that I'm always leery of reducing the Word of God to a set of do's and don'ts. But in this case, I'm in the good company of John the Baptist, so I'm going back for a little more. <laughs> Whatever you can contribute to the now or never reversal of climate change, do that. Whatever you can contribute to the obscenely overdue work of racial reconciliation, do that. Whatever you can do, do that. Because that is how we prepare the way of the Lord. That is how we live lives that point to the coming Christ instead of always pointing to the priorities of our inner viper. What should we do? We who bear the image of God, we who claim the identity of Christ, we who await the advent of Jesus, what should we do? We should repent. Each of us must recognize what it is that we, in particular, need to do that U-turn away from. 
And then each of us must recognize what it is that we can do based upon our position in life. And that's what we should do. Church, we are not helpless. Thanks be to God, there are doable things for us to do to prepare the way of the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.